Lord, we thank you for this camp meeting. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that has promised to attend us. We pray that you will be with this class, that uh, the people who hear will have a new um, vision of where they can go with you and help our minds not to keep us from that walk that we want with God. In your holy name, amen. And today is called Coping with Our Problems. Anybody have another word for coping? What was that? Handling. Handling. What was that? Denial. Denial. Well, that would be a negative part of coping, huh? That would be a way to cope. But we want to be able to cope with problems. um, Didn't the Bible say that people who gave their hearts to God would never have problems? What does the Bible say? You will have troubles in this life, doesn't it? And it doesn't say, and Adventists are excluded, right? So, um, now, I know that there's a lot of ideas and things that we'll be talking about today, and I want to make sure that we bring it together, and I'm hoping that if you can just jot down a note here or there, that would be wonderful, because at the end, I would love to have ask if there is something specific that was helpful to you because there's something about, they've learned that when people talk to another person, that you will probably forget 95% of what you learn. If you write it down, you will, you will forget about 75% of what you learn. But if you turn and you say to someone, when I heard that, this is what it means to me, and this is what I want to do, all of a sudden, that hits home, and you will remember about 75% of it. So, unless you have a real problem with dementia, right? So, um, I want to give you every chance to help put it into your brain. So please, if it's something significant to you and you are able to write it down, I have extra pens. If you're able to write it down, please do. Have you ever heard people say some really negative statements that show they're not coping well, like, I don't know how much more of this I can take. You ever heard that? Hopefully it would never be you. How about, I wonder what's going to happen. Well, the worst case scenario could be, you ever heard any of this? I can't take another thing. How about... Um, I'm done. I'm done. I'm really done. I'm done. And then you're done a few minutes later. Did you notice that? That was like when you're. That's like when a parent says, "I'm going to spank you," and they just let Junior go, and then say, "I told you I'm going to spank you." Like really big threat, huh? So when you think that way. What happens to the peace and joy that you're supposed to be feeling from God? Do people have peace and joy when they're thinking that way? And so what we say and comes out of our mouth will impact our brain, and our brain will impact our body. And so actually there's a big connection between what we say and how we feel. Would you agree with that? Who is the person who would want us to speak in a very disparaging and discouraging way? 
we don't want to give him any glory, but he is, you know, if you remember watching The Wizard of Oz and you remember the, remember the wizard behind the curtain and he was pushing the buttons like he was controlling people and things, don't you think the devil has a control room where he likes to push buttons and really get people stirring? And he knows, he knows what my problem is, he knows what your problem is, he chooses, he hand chooses your problem because he knows what's going to get you, right? You know what pops your buttons, right? Sometimes it's because of something that's happened in our past. Oh my, right? There, now that sounds like a therapist thing. I am a social worker and I do have a therapy practice, but it is very true that if you're going to be upset, thank you, if you're going to be upset at something, watch out because there are triggers from your past. When my husband and I were married for two weeks, we were still in that sweet honey baby type of comments. You remember that, anybody? Yeah. We just came home from our Hawaiian honeymoon, and everything was sweet. And it was his first Sabbath at the church. And we were at Waterford, which was Pontiac at that time. And he was an assistant pastor. And he went downstairs, and I was getting the potluck dishes. I have to tell you, I was a little bit of a spoiled brat when he married me. I mean, I'm still can be spoiled brat, but I'm just saying I really didn't know how to get a potluck dish ready. Is, don't you think pastor's wives need to know how to do potluck dishes? Yeah, I'm like, I think that when I go to heaven, they're going to put a potluck dish on my head or something. I don't know. Because I think we do a lot of potluck dishes. But anyway... I was getting that potluck dish ready, and it just wasn't going right, and it was my first Sabbath at his church, and I, you know what, does it, does it reflect on the wife when the husband's not dressed properly? That, that day, he was picking out, he evidently can't see greens and grays. I didn't realize he had some color blindness until after a few more years, but he picked out something that looks so bad, and women think that it reflects on them when the husband looks really bad, right? And... um yeah, a happy husband does what his wife says, right? And he was going to wear his tie the way he wanted to wear his tie. Okay. And so it had not been a good morning, and I was trying to get ready. And we were in an apartment on the third floor. And he went down to the car, and he was waiting impatiently. And he just happened to beep the horn. <laughs> Oh, I did not know how red my face could get. I was mad. How dare... Women, what does it mean when a man beeps the horn at you? Let's go. See, now Rick says that means let's go. What does it mean to a woman? You're taking way too long. What else? Hurry up. I'm not here to help you. You need to do this and get it done, right? And I, I don't know, it sounds like disrespect all over, right? So, so despite what the men might say, I ran down to that car, remember my sweetheart? And he rolled down the window, and I didn't have a potluck dish, I didn't have my purse, I didn't have my jacket. And he opened the window and he looked at me, his eyes were as big as pancakes, and I said... If you ever 
ring, I mean, buzz that horn again. You know what you can do. You can go to your church all by yourself, and I'm going to see what they think about you with your new bride on your first Sabbath. I still remember his face. I mean, he'd never heard a tone like that before, and I was mad. Man, I got up that, I never got up the flight of stairs faster than I did that day. And I got my potluck dishes, and it was quiet all the way to church. I didn't feel like talking. And he was afraid to talk. Well, you all laugh. You know what? I've told this at churches. You know what they all start doing after church? Yeah. They're all honking the horn in the parking lots, laughing. Yeah. But you know what happened is... We don't always realize it, but the reason that I was angry, I didn't realize it until months later, is when my parents would get ready to go to church, my dad would get in the car. He wouldn't wouldn't give my mother a hand at all. He, He would honk the horn. She would stick her head out the door, and she'd say, Henry, did you, did you put away the breakfast dishes? And he'd go, No, Shirley, I I sure didn't. And she'd say, well, that's why I'm in here. I'm still putting them away. You know, we have people coming over for dinner, and I wouldn't want you to pick your plate up off the table and put it in the sink even. (laughs) Okay, Shirley. So she'd go back in. (laughs) Beep, beep, beep. You know what he'd do? I'd be in the back seat with my brother. He'd look in the rearview mirror and go, she's really mad. (laughs) She'd come out, Henry, did you honk the horn again? Uh, I think I did, Shirley. (laughs) Did you get the Bible and the quarterly? Uh, No, I didn't. Well, why didn't you? Um, I I was busy. You had nothing to do but sit out there and honk that horn. (laughs) She went back in and he'd go, she's really mad. Do you see how red her face is? Can you believe that? Beep, beep, beep. She'd come out, and she said, did you turn out all the lights? No. Did you lock the doors? No, but I'm really glad you're doing it. Well, that's why I'm taking so much time. If you have all this time, you could have done that instead of honking the horn. And I probably said to myself, when I grow up, my husband will never treat me that way. (laughs) That must be why I was so mad that morning. I really don't get mad at him, but boy, was I mad that morning. And you know what he said? I learned my lesson. I never honked the horn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's a powerful enemy out there, and he loves to agitate, and he knows what happened to you in your past, and he knows what's going to really get under your skin, and he knows what's going to make you really chafe and get mad. And guess what? When you start to feel angry, you can have some problems. Now, there are many problems, physical problems, that can occur from anger and um, from anger, depression, anxiety, etc. And so I really wanted a well-researched lecture for you. So I only looked up and, and I'm talking about the things that I found information on. Anger, what do you think is what is the biggest medical problem of anger? High blood pressure. High blood pressure? Guess what? I, I, 
I'm sure it's in there, but that wasn't the one that I'm looking at. Ulcers, Ulcers you would think ulcers, can, what? Heart attacks, absolutely. They actually tracked men with heart attacks and found out that many of them have explosive anger. They can actually look at some of the things that you're, you have in your personality and figure out what kind of medical problems you're going to have. Isn't that interesting? Depression. What do you think? The ones that I found were strokes and diabetes. I didn't know diabetes could be impacted by depression. Um, skin issues, psoriasis is a big one. What was that? Some people, when they get depressed, they eat. Oh, and when people get depressed, they eat, and so maybe that's why they are led. I, I, just, I didn't question it. I just was looking at all the materials on it. And when you look at thousands of things that come up, that was, those were the biggest. Rheumatoid arthritis. That was a big one. Diseases um, like irritable bowel disease and um, Crohn's disease are very impacted by depression and migraine headaches. So, Okay, chronic stress. We have two chairs over here, if you want. Chronic stress. Uh, skin conditions is under chronic stress. I, I, I went too fast on that one. Asthma, heartburn, GERD. Anybody ever heard of those? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, um, when my husband went to the seminary, we were on a very limited budget. And, um, again, he took this young girl who, I mean, you know, I just I hadn't learned how to do a budget. What can I say? I lived on a credit card. When I went to college, away from college, I just did a credit card and my dad paid for it. Do you know what? The buck stopped with Royce. <laughs> that was not what he wanted to do, was pay my credit card bills. So he said, I think our credit cards are out of control. So he got some scissors out and he got those credit cards and he started cutting them up. Now, I don't know how people lived without a credit card at that moment. And that really distressed me, and I got eczema all over my neck. And we met my folks because they lived in the Detroit area. We were, they were in Berrien Springs. I think we met for Thanksgiving in Kalamazoo. And while we were eating, my mother looked at my neck, and she said, what is wrong with you? I said, why? She said, well, you're all broken out on your neck. And I'm like, really? Well, it could be about the credit cards. Well, what about the credit cards? Well... Royce cut up our credit cards. Oh, she said, well, that's probably good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What happens if our emotions, if we go by our emotions, what will happen to our lives? Yeah, it is a train wreck. Because our emotions, can you, have you ever been happy one moment and sad the next? Could you be having a good day and then something terrible happens and you're all upset? Our um, emotions can be like a roller coaster, and if we follow them, our lives will be up and down all the time. Um, there are two chairs here in the front, just to let you know, and three over here. So, By the way, feelings are like on autopilot. Anybody drive with their cruise control on? By, it, it's a normal thing for your 
emotions to go up and down. That would be normal. But if you make your decisions based on that, you're going to be in big trouble. The world tells us to follow our hearts. What does that mean? If you see somebody you like, take them, right? If you want something, get it, right? If you, if you would like to eat ice cream all day, just go for it, right? You deserve a break today, right? So go out and get away, right? Um, people who act on their emotions often jump into relationships too fast. They jump out of relationships too fast. They, um, they avoid things they're afraid of and they never work through them. They have a hard time continuing to persevere into school, etc. So, and we have to be really careful because there are things that we might not even try or continue to get through or we won't persevere. And maybe the Lord wanted us to do those things, but we were all about how we felt. So, Proverbs 28:26 says, He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. What did, what did we just say? He who trusts in his own heart is what? But he who walks wisely shall be delivered. You want to be delivered? So don't do what your, what your heart is always telling you. We need to be doing things because of principles and standards, not because of feelings. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that the human heart is the most deceitful and desperately wicked. What did it say? Deceitful and desperately wicked. So many times the things, the thoughts that we have, the decisions, the um, drives that we have, the fantasies that we have are not going to take us to a place where God wants us to be. Principles and standards. We should be bound by principles and standards. Don't let your heart decide. Always think with your mind what God would want you to do. That was Jer- Jeremiah 17.9, and the first one was Proverbs 28.26. And I hope that you'll look it up and memorize it, because when you're tempted, it's a really good thing to recall. Have you noticed that texts will come to your head when you're thinking about something, or even a song? And that's a really special thing, because God's really helping us. Um, many of us think that if we feel angry, or if we feel irritated, or if we feel frustrated, we should just act on it. You ever acted on something? You ever been really sorry you did? It reminds me, there's a couple up here, it's a retired pastor and his wife, and they have a lot of time together now. They're not used to that, because they used to always work and do different things, right? And so... They, um, they, I guess they were, they, they now eat together, which, you know, I, people always ask me, where's Royce on Sabbath? And I always say, we're, we're separated. You didn't know that? But we're getting, we're getting together tonight, though. Well, they're together all the time. And so he kept setting the table when she'd get the dinner ready, and he kept putting the forks on the right side and the spoons and the, and the knives on the left side. And she's proper. There are some women that are proper, you know. And she said to him, you know that you got them on the wrong side. And he said, I do. And she said, yeah, so switch them next time, okay? And so he'd set them with the forks on the right side and the spoon and the knife on the left side. And she said, every time they ate, she just felt so irritated with him. Like, what man doesn't know how to set the table properly? And she said he continued to do it 
over and over again. And finally, she thought, I just need to calm myself down. It's really a good thing to not be on emotion, she said. So I decided to just get my voice under control. And she said, honey, is there a reason that you just keep putting the spoons and the knives on the left side and the fork on the right side? And he said, I wondered when you were going to notice. <laughs> and she said, we had a really good laugh, and I'm really glad because it was a funny joke rather than a really bad scene. <laughs> Any of you ever had that? You're really glad you said it a different way? I remember one time when some woman, uh, we were at an airport, and I was in sandals, and she took her suitcase and went right across my feet and in front of me on the escalator. And she thought I was being generous and kind, and I said, well, excuse me, pardon me. But I wasn't being kind and generous. And she said, oh, I didn't see you. Thank you for forgiving me. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad that she thought I was being kind and generous, and I was not. Sometimes the Lord gets us out of situations we get ourselves into, doesn't she? He? <laughs> um, the devil wants us to always keep score with people. Have you noticed? And we often want to do things to make ourselves happy. And why is that? Can you tell me? What would be the root of that? Pride, selfishness. Actually, show, by the way, relationships are hard and they are difficult and they take time to work out and it's all about self. I want what I want when I want it and I don't want anyone to tell me not to do it. Would you agree? And I want to do my own thing and I don't want you to bother me. Go away, right? I had a friend. I saw her up here and she continued to decide that she could not be happy unless she got her living room decorated. So she kept saying to her husband, I want to decorate my living room. And he kept saying, well, you know, we have money. We're doing something like we need a new driveway. Then he needed something in the garage or whatever. And finally, after three years of, I think, probably telling him every day, she got her way and she got to decorate the living room. And we were on this prayer thing. And this is what she said. Well, my living room is decorated, my kitchen's new, and, and I'm still not happy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she's like, I guess that wasn't really what was making me so unhappy. I was just unhappy. And isn't that true, that we always think we know what it is, but it's not always that thing? And sometimes we just need to recognize that we need to have happiness and be satisfied despite our circumstances. Would you agree? There's a Chinese saying that goes, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. <laughs> if you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, you better help somebody. And that really is why many times our happiness is not sustained. It's because when it's all about me, I start to not be as happy when I try to make myself happy. 
The other part is that when we are so focused on our feelings and how we feel, I feel this way and I feel that way. And I, you know, what I really think is, you know what? Not only does that get wearing to the people that we talk to, but it accentuates what's going on with us in our heads and it makes us sick. One of these people told me that his mother, he said, um, I just wanted to let you know that I came to see my mother and she was laying in bed. And he said, aren't you going to get up today, mother? It's already 11 o'clock in the morning. And she said, I'm staying and I'm just sitting here. And he said, well, how long have you been sitting there? For about four hours. And he said, well, why? And she said, because I thought I felt my heart was getting, uh, was moving too fast. And I've been trying to count it. And he said, well, has, has your heart been going too fast? She said, not yet. <laughs> Do you ever have issues in your head? You have issues in your head? And they get bigger? Now, now you won't tell Royce if I tell you these things. Oh, no. Right. Okay? Right? Oh, I forgot. I'm on speaker, right? So one day, my husband and I were home, and I woke up because I heard paper um, crinkling in the kitchen. That's a terrible thing to wake up. It was like 2 in the morning. Paper was crinkling in the kitchen. So I opened the door, and in the light of the front living room window, I could see somebody sitting in our lazy boy chair, just sitting there. And I woke up my husband, and he went, he sa- I said, I hear somebody that was undoing it. And, and there they are, sitting right there in the chair. And he went, oh, they are. That's terrible. And he said, okay, let's, let's call 911. So he started calling 911. You remember those phones where they had like asterisks and pound numbers? I think he was on the wrong row and it didn't wake, it didn't light up at night. You know, it was, it was a long time ago, right? And so he started pressing 911. He goes, they blocked the phone. And he goes, we're going to have to do the next thing. And I said, what are we going to do? Because he's whispering to me. It's hard. That was when I could hear his whispering. And he said, what, I need, what we need to do is we need to get out of bed and push the dresser against the closed door so they can't come in. That will give us a moment. And then we need to get out. We need to break our bedroom window and get out. I'm like, well, it's a little high. And he's like, that's okay. I'll help you with that. And I'm like, okay. So we got up and we jumped. Boy, was that dresser ever heavy. I'm like, but you know, when you're that keyed up and you're protecting yourself against a man that's sitting in a chair in your living room, you get supernatural strength. Have you ever heard of that? And we lifted up that heavy, heavy dresser. Oh, it was heavy. And we got it against the door. And then we start, we open the window, and when we open the window and open the shade, that was really good, we opened the shade before we opened the window, we could see the phone in the, in the night light out there, and we could see the, the thing, and so he pressed 911, and this time it worked. He said, it's working again. <laughs> and he called the police and said, there's a man in our window, and we're, we're in the bedroom, and we're secure, but he's sitting in our living room, and he's been in our kitchen rifling through our stuff. And they said, we'll be there right away. And they came in like five minutes. And when they came, he opened the window. He said, we're in here, officer. He's in the house. And he's, they said, how can we get in? He, got, he had a key. Actually, he had it on the dresser. And so the police came in. We could hear him going through the house. We didn't hear him talking to anybody. 
we heard him going down the stairs. We heard him going, and then, then they came into the bedroom, and he said, is that you? And he said, yes, this is, this is a police officer. It's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? And we had to, like, move the dresser. This time we could hardly get it. He said, are you going to be able to get out of there? Do you need some help? We can get through the window. Oh, no, we can. So we, we got that dresser over. And he said, um, house is secure. Don't see anything. We said, oh. He turned the lights on. You know, some of those lamps have a really big, like, like bolt. I mean, not the, not the shade, but, you know, they're rounded. And, and through the window, it was a great, it was really, it was a great profile. <laughs> and, and then, so I walked out there, and there was the wrapping paper. I, it was my birthday the day before, and the wrapping paper had all unwrapped, and it had all fallen out of the garbage. You know, it was like, yeah, at 2 in the morning. And the policeman said, do you want us to stay here with you for a little while until you look around and be sure that you're okay? My husband said, no, officer, we'll be okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> I never knew that my heart could beat so hard. I mean, have you ever been so scared you could hear it beating in your ears? Isn't it amazing when you get so focused on your feelings how you can make your body react? How many of you know that even when things are calm that your body is reacting? And even when nothing is life-threatening, you're still scared. Any of you? Because that's what happens is that when our bodies are on alert, then all of a sudden we're overusing all of our faculties and our coping skills are very poor. Um, I had a man that came to me and he said, uh, I really need help. And I said, well, what's been going on? He said, well, I went to the hospital. He said, I was, thought I was having a heart attack. I was really scared. And they told me nothing was wrong, so they told me to see a therapist. And I said, so what do you think? Oh, I think they're not picking up on something. I said, have you had anything that's happened? Well, you know, his wife had left him a few months before, and he was living alone. He never wanted to live alone. And I said, do you think that you can be, get really worked up or concerned about that? Well, probably. And I said, and so have you seen a cardiologist? He said, yeah, they've, they've, looked, they've done every test they can. And I said, so could it be that you feel panic or fear or anxiety? Well, yeah, it probably could, but I think there could be something wrong. And so... <coughs> There was never any more experiences like that. And then he said, I think I have panic attacks. And that's that high, riveting, scary feeling where your heart feels like it's pounding, your ears feel like they're, you can hear your heart in them. Sometimes your, your palms are really tight and, or, or sweaty. You can feel um, tremors in your body. You can feel like, the, like somebody's standing on your chest, you can't breathe. And sometimes just knowing that you've had that experience just as I describe it, will help you to have it all over again. So if any of you are feeling really tight right now, it might be a good thing to do the 747, which is you take a deep breath to the count of seven, you hold it to the count of four, and you breathe out to the count of seven. That's what I do to people who are having panic attacks in my office. 747. So you want to do it together? Okay, now I don't want you to look at each other because I don't want you self-conscious, okay? So... Why don't you just close your eyes for a minute? I'm not doing anything wild. I just don't want you to look around. Okay, take a deep breath, and I'm going to count for you. One, two, four, five, six, seven. Count four. One, two, three, four. You're holding it, and now you can exhale. Count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 
that slows down the heart, it gets the oxygen going, it gets the oxygen going um, through your brain. And what they learned about panic attacks is that um, many times when you are really stressed about something, you don't recognize that you're doing short panting breaths and you're not getting a good oxygen exchange and so your whole body starts to do a spasm, especially the esophagus and all those areas. And as it constricts, all of a sudden you start to feel lightheaded, and then when you feel lightheaded, you're scared, and so you get more upset, and so then you, you're fighting it, and that's what happens. So we have a huge impact on how we are thinking on our body. Would you agree? What about self-pity? What is self-pity? First of all, we're saying self, so what does it mean about... Selfishness, okay. And what is pity? Are we taking are we taking pity on somebody? Ourself. I was having some self pity this morning. I was getting ready when an ant was crawling on my neck. Now my neck is special and I don't want an ant on my neck. How many of you do? And then I like and then I started thinking, why is it that we got the location where there's all the ant hills? And you know, does anybody else in the loop have ant hills? Oh, my mother always said there was somebody worse than me. Do you have ants everywhere in your trailer? We have You have hornets. See, my mother was always right about everything. That really burns me up because I wanted to tell you how bad my ants were. Now, what happens when I tell you that story and you feel sorry for me? It makes me feel good. So when you guys start taking the limelight away from me, it's irritating. <laughs> there is something charming to having people go, oh, Lori, I'm so sorry to hear that. So there's something, and then you go, oh, I kind of like that. And so then you start telling more stories, and then you get people to really start to feel sorry for you. And you don't work on your problem. I did, by the way. I went out and got ant traps. The man said at Dollar General, it takes a whole week for these ants to take their medicine back to their, to their ant nest. And he said, so you'll still have them for a week. Oh, am I doing that self-pity thing again? Okay. Yeah. And often people who have self-pity are kind of black and white about things. They like, they're very rigid. They, everything is either right or wrong. Nothing's ever gray. So yes, there's other people who have ants, and yes, there's other people who have hornets, and there's always somebody worse than you, and we need to not fixate on it. We need to go out and fix it, right? And so self-pity often stops us from taking the next step. So another thing is that we need to be very careful about our self-pity. All right. By the way, people with low self-esteem crave attention. Would you agree? People say, oh, I'm not a proud, proud person. I'm just a really, I have low self-esteem. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know. But let me tell you that when you have low self-esteem, who are you always trying to protect? Remember that song in Sabbath school, me, me, me? Oh, isn't that about Jesus loves the little ones like me, me? Well, if they just cut that off and just do the me, 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 it's like, I don't want anyone to hurt me. I don't want anyone to say anything. I don't want anyone to mistreat me. I just can't cope with it. So it's always about self-protection. And so we have to be very careful because low self-esteem, when the Lord has told you that you are so special, 
that he would have died on the cross for you, that he came to save you, and you say that you're not good enough and that you, you, know, you just are absolutely nothing, you are really offending your Creator. So you have to say, Lord, please help me with the way I'm thinking. And self-esteem issues will really set us up for all kinds of things, including drama. Girls love drama, don't they? Any of you raised girls? Two against one all the time? You're my best friend. I, I'm going to tell you a secret. Yeah. Men are, I mean, boys are like, they just watch the ball and they don't care. They walk away from each other. But the girls are like, are you my best friend? I, I told you something that you weren't supposed to tell anybody. Yeah. Yeah. The devil really loves to have us focus on our flaws, our faults, our failures, and our limitations. We can't be happy when we only think of ourselves. The world, by the way, tells us that our feelings are truth. Are they truth? Well, I just, I just don't feel good about that. Really? Hmm. Well, I do it, but I just, you know, I just, I don't know, I just have this feeling that I shouldn't do that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I know I'm married, but, you know, he's so attractive and he's so kind to me. Or, you know, she's such a sweet person. I feel like I can tell her anything much better than my wife. Like, if we go with what we feel, we will be in a mistake. Do you remember... Um, Debbie Boone, she sang that song. She sang, you light up my life, you give me hope to carry on. Do you remember that? By the way, can a person really meet all of our needs? Oh my, you want to bankrupt somebody? Just, okay. And the song ends with, it can't be wrong when it feels so right. Do we have a problem there? Till most of your income is gone and I've spent your credit cards or, you know, it can't be wrong, right? Or till your wife finds out or my husband finds out or my kids get upset or until um, till your stepkids come over, I mean, my stepkids come over to my house and make a big mess or hate me or like, it's funny, it, it can't be wrong, but you know what, we're going to get all kinds of baggage, are we not, when we do some of those things? Make sure that we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and not our feelings. Very important. By the way, do you ever feel loved by God, but not every day? Is the Bible changeless? I mean, does it change? Does God change? Does that mean that we change? Isn't it wonderful that even when we're crabby, somebody might not like us, but God loves us? Isn't it nice when you're impatient that God is still blessing you, even when other people are going, if you do that again to me, yeah. A woman said to me, I feel so worthless sometimes. And I said, do you believe in good and evil? And she said, yes, and that's because most Christians don't believe in good and evil. And even though I work with Christians, I have to try and figure out where they're at because some people don't believe there's a hell or a devil. They just believe that God is good and he's in everything. And I asked, do you think God is telling you that you're worthless? And she said, no, that wouldn't make sense, would it? And I thought I'd play with her. It was a really bad joke. I said, I think you're right. I said, um, I think that the devil is telling you the truth. She said, what? And I said, because you are worthless and you are lost and you are insignificant and corrupt without Jesus. 
Jesus is the only reason that you're special in any way. So without him, you're nothing. But you didn't get it, so you shouldn't pay, shouldn't tell a joke when somebody's really serious. What does the Bible say? That when you are unkind, wait, when you, what is it about rubbing salt into the wound? What is that one? A, a certain word or something rubs salt into the wounds. We need to be genuinely kind to people, especially when they feel like that. But Christ makes us a new creation, and he, greater is he in us than who is in the world, right? By the way, when you think, I can't do this anymore, I can't, you know, I, I just can't take this anymore, there are verses that we can hold on to that are true because our feelings are false. One of them is, I can do through Christ who strengthens me. So when I say, I can't do this and I can't do that and I don't know what's going to happen, I just don't know where I'm going to go with that. Who are we who are we dissing or dis- disagreeing with or, or throwing under the bus? We really are, are saying that to God because God said he can empower us and help us. Here's a um, quote from DG 146. It's an Ellen White book. Feelings are no evidence of God's displeasure. When you don't feel loved or you don't feel that God is close to you, you're wrong because he is. You just don't feel it, right? Feelings are not something that we can always tell. Feelings are not the barometer of your religious feelings. So let's go to Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on the things above. What is that saying? Look to who? Jesus. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Haven't you always, haven't you thought about, oh, things are so bad. I don't know how I can ever get there. And so what we need to recognize is that by beholding, we become changed. Isn't that wonderful? Seek ye first what? That's right. And all these things will be added onto you. 1 Peter 5, 8-10 says, Be of sober. What, what is sober meaning here? Does that mean stop drinking? Serious. Be calm and collected and, and, and calm your mind. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the what? The devil prowls around like what? Seeking someone to? When you keep your eyes off of him, you're at trouble, right? The the. The lion never goes to the whole group. He goes to the one on the edge or the one that's lost or the one who's not coming to church or one that's not you know, in the fold or whatever. He's always focused on the weaker person, and that's where he goes. It says, but resist him. Be firm in your faith. It doesn't say count on your feelings. It says be firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. That's 1 Peter 5, 8-10. We need to put our trust in the Holy Spirit. Emotions can make you a slave. If somebody can walk through that door and change your mood and make you upset, they have power over you and you are their slave. They can punch your buttons. Have you ever seen... Oh. I um Carlo, uh, my son and I, we went to he's going to the University of Missouri. You know Carlo, does everybody know Carlo? The one-armed trumpeter Haitian, okay. Anyway, I'd taken him to University of Missouri and and he's 
he, he doesn't really want to go there, but he's going to go there. They gave him a full scholarship for a PhD, so he's going there. And he says, I don't think I like this town. I said, oh, you need to just, you know, change your attitude. Everything's going to be okay. And, you know, I'm sure it's a nice town. And then all of a sudden there's a fight right in front of us. Two men are fighting over a drug deal. I mean, they're yelling, their arms are flailing, their faces are red, and they're talking about, you know, I didn't take that dope. And the other one's like, yes, you did, and you owe me the money. And he's like, this is a really bad place. But have you noticed that when people's emotions go up, how they look? They're, they're really rolling, they're angry, they're screaming. You know, God doesn't want us to continue to destroy relationships around us. We need to ask the Lord to change our minds, to renew our minds, and to help us to control ourselves because many of the things that we do on autopilot are to destroy and um, hurt and damage our relationships. We, with God's help, can get our emotions under control. And many times when you've been angry with someone, what happens? How's your sleep? You kind of, yeah, do you roll, toss and turn? Yeah. How many of you obsess over something you've said? Does the, you know, could it be the Lord is telling you that you said something and it's time to do what? Make amends with people? That's correct. Um, I was just thinking about my daughter. When she was young, she, she was having a hard time thinking about feelings, and too bad, she's got a social worker mother. And so she would say, Mother, you hurt my feelings. It could be over an ice cream cone. Because she felt she needed it, right? Yeah. And when I went to uh, a Wayne State University in, in Detroit, one of the things that the professors would say in almost every class is, every time somebody would say, they'd go, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? And you kept thinking, that's the most important thing I can do as a therapist is ask people, what, how does that make you feel? What happens when we're so focused on how we feel? Does that do anything for us? Does that make our lives better? Uh, it's important to know how we feel, but it's more important to say what we need to do about it. Okay. When you're thinking... This is going to be a really bad day. This is just, I mean, I don't even know why I got out of bed this morning. What happens? You have a, you have a, and what would the feeling be when you're thinking that way? Tell me some, now men, do you need any help with feelings? What kind of a feeling when you're thinking this way? Negative. Negative, okay, what else? I, I want to hear a man. What? Bad is a good word. Let's make it more descriptive. Let's get a little more exciting. Depressed? Discouraged? Disappointed? Hopeless is the word I was looking for. When you think this way, you can feel very hopeless. Now, are you hopeless? No. But because you were thinking that way. Because you were thogging that way. Because you were thogging that way. You were feeling that way. And then when you feel hopeless, how might you act? How, much, how might you act? Don't do anything. 
You don't do, you know what, you could be paralyzed and you just go, I don't feel like doing anything, it's not worth anything, why would I even, I don't even care. Or you could go, you could do the opposite, you could be resilient, I'll show them and I'm going to do it different, right? So that would be encouraging. Okay, whatever you, if you do something bad, like you don't go to work or you decide to stay in bed or you... Um, you decide to drive your car into a tree or whatever. Like, you could really be, if you're hopeless, you can have all those issues. It impacts what? Show it, make sure everybody sees it. How would, how would that kind of thinking impact your spiritual life? Any of you on Sabbath morning go, I had a long week and I'm really tired. I don't really want to go. So then what do you do? You think... What you're feeling? I'm tired. I don't want to go. And this one means that you do what? Stay in bed. Stay in bed. And then what happens? I didn't learn anything today, right? Okay, let's do another one. Um, oh, this is fun. Um, well, I just think about Jesus. I'm like, why would I want to... Die for all those people that keep sinning. Can you imagine that? If he'd done that, then what would you feel felt? Hopeless again, right? Would he have gone to the cross? No. No, he would have said, you know, I just need to stay around and just do my own thing. And then, of course, we would have all been lost, right? All right. Uh, let's see. Any other hopeless thought? I mean, any other thoughts you can think about? How about my wife is out to get me? So My wife is out to get me. Okay. How do you how do you feel, Joy? Depressed. Yep. Anything else? Yeah, I'm gonna tell her. Right? Okay, and so oh and so what would your actions do? Did you hear did you hear that? I'll get her before she gets me. Well, you know, really. Okay. And how does that impact your um, married life? Spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. Do you recognize that? Your thoughts, if you don't take charge of your thoughts, your actions are going to be very up and up and down, and your spiritual life is going to be impacted. Now, let's say that your wife is not perfect, but you married her and you're committed to her. So instead of saying, my wife is really on my last nerve, what, what could you say? What could you say? That's it, honey. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going to replace you with... No. That's what happens when you choose somebody in orange. Okay, so let's come up with a, a nice, committed, happy thought. Because I chose her and because God is my Savior, I'm... I love you anyway. And I'm committed to you for life. And how would you feel about that? I would feel very special. You would feel you would you would feel special. Well, that's nice. Um, if he said that, oh, he said it. Yeah. So let's talk about. I feel more positive. Okay. Yeah. You're hopeful in the future. You think that maybe with some work or whatever, maybe you're going to go to a counselor. Like you are thinking about what you can do to improve that situation, right? Mm. So then, what could your actions be? To go to a counselor, go to a get some help, read a book, go to the devotional. And, and when you're working on that relationship, 
How does it impact your spiritual life? Positive. Yes. Spiritually flying. So, is it important to watch how you think? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so if you had a horse and you didn't have a bridle, it would take you everywhere. There's a, a verse in the Bible that talks about a pig that has a ring in its snout and they, they lead it somewhere and you're led somewhere. Like, we have to take our feelings back because, um, and how, does, how can we get these feelings to be in the right place? I can do all things and I can pray that God will help me with my thinking. So as soon as Orange starts thinking that way, Joy is going to have more joy in her feelings. She is joy. She's going to have more joy because she's happy. Her actions are going to be different, and her spiritual life is going to grow because she's going to see God helping. Now, if, she, if, if he thinks, I can do this on my own, I don't really need God, he's going to feel really confident, and then he's going to do something, and if it gets improved, he doesn't give God the glory, right? Because he didn't even ask God for help, and so his spiritual life isn't going to get better. So you can do positive things for the wrong reasons, right? So, okay, thank you. Take care of my thoughts. Okay, you do that. Okay, have joy today, okay? Thank you, Deb, thank you. So does that help to recognize that you have to take it back? You can't always be worried about your feelings. There's a Christian author who wrote a book called Healing Damaged Emotions by David Siemens. If you have any of these issues, it's a really good read. Another book... um, is Adventist Home that talks about feelings. Love is a principle, not a feeling. She talks about how important it is to not be going by um, your feelings all the time. But you should recognize what they are so that you can handle them. According to Mrs. White, we are to act on principles and standards, not feelings. This is from Signs of the Times, November 11, 1889. The promises of God do not rest upon feelings. They have a foundation as distinct from feelings as light is from darkness. We must move from principle, and when we do this, we will move understandingly and not be controlled by varying emotions. What impacts our emotions? Do you get impacted by being hot today? Did you know what? More people are killed on days when it's hot. Did you know that? Yeah, murdered. Yep, anger comes up really fast when you're hot. What about when your life is cluttered? Got lots of stuff, you get more anxiety. How about when you have pressure? Yep, got a lot of things to do. Start to get irritated, more anger. Um, when you had something that was discouraging, can you get depressed easier? Absolutely. We have to recognize that we're going to have problems in this life, but we are to meet them, and when we recognize that we are going to meet them and that the Lord can help us. It helps us to move forward. You have a fast... Can you give us those, uh, the name of the book by David Siemens? Sure. It's um, Healing Damaged Emotions by David Siemens. And it's S-E-A-M-U-N-D-S. S-E-A-M-U-N-D-S. It is November 11, 1889, Mrs. White... Promises of God do not rest upon feelings. Do not be controlled by your varying emotions. Here's another one. Thoughts and feelings indulged. Oh, are you feeling bad? Oh, you must be so sad. I don't know how you can get over losing your little stuffed animal. (coughs) 
Thoughts and feelings indulged prepare the way for acts and deeds of evil. It's not that we shouldn't be nurturing and kind, but when we make it an obsession, uh, we actually can increase it. Which, by the way, reminds me of whatever we think about, we think about more often. Right? Whatever we think about or we talk about, people will recognize is very important. Somebody used to come up to me at church all the time and tell me about the body work they did on their car. And every time I would see them coming, I was like, oh, I need to be more interested And then they would tell me all about what they did on their car. And, you know, I recognized that that person wanted to be recognized as a hard worker and that they were doing it, and they wanted to impress me that they were working. You have to figure out why do people talk about why they talk about those things. Well, the other thing was that when Doug Batchelor was here, was that last year he talked about ice cream? Two years ago? He talked about ice cream, and he kept talking about his obsession with ice cream and how he, when he was homeless, he almost was tempted to pick up something that a kid dropped on the sidewalk because he loved ice cream, and that he had this, this obsession with ice cream and that it wasn't a normal obsession. He just loves that cold ice cream, and he had to quit eating it because all he could think about is where all the Baskin-Robbins were or whatever. And that night, across the road... At the ABC Cafe, they had a run on ice cream like you never saw before. (laughs) Because whatever you talk about, you think about, right? I had a woman in one of my sessions, and she kept talking about how she's been having a hard time losing weight. And I said, really? So what's been going on? Because you really are a good exerciser. And she said, oh, I love chips and dip. I just, I love to take those salty chips, and I love to put them in that dip. And I just love the taste of that chip dip on my tongue. And what do you think I wanted when I got home that night? <laughs> Don't they do that on, on anything that you see in a commercial or whatever? They see, you see it dripping and you see it steaming. And I'm like, you, whatever we think about, we think about, right? We need to change channels on our brain. Counsels on, I'm sorry, child guidance. The real greatness and nobility of a man is measured by his powers to subdue his feelings, not by the power of his feelings to subdue him. The strongest man will restrain passion and forgive his enemies. So rather than, oh, child guidance, 161.4. It's a good thing I'm on it today because you're on it too. I could be in trouble. And I have um, some handouts, but I'm not sure that I'm going to get to those, so I'm just going to keep moving here. According to researchers Gross and Huria, an inability to regulate emotions is the root to many psychological disorders, such as the common personality disorders called borderline personalities. Not regulating emotions will deepen your depression and make make your anxiety um, worse. I was sitting with Vicki Griffin, and she was going on and on about, but Laura, you also need to remember to tell them that they have to do their basics. So it wasn't, that wasn't her word, that's my word. She said, you know, um, fresh fruits and vegetables, fresh air, drinking water, doing exercise, getting rid of that extra anxiety by getting rid of the adrenaline when you're walking. She said, we have to do all those things, and then we can put our glasses on and see what's really going on with us, because if we aren't doing some of the things that we need to do, we might mistake that some of those problems are causing us depression, but that could actually alleviate much of those things. So we need to also recognize that there is some health issues. 
Mrs. White wrote to her son, when you do right and overcome wrong feelings, the Lord is smiling on you. The Bible tells us we are to be content and joyful no matter what our circumstances are. So can we find joy in a flat tire? I don't know about that. Can we find joy when our plane gets canceled and we want to go home? Um, Can we find joy when we're hot and sweaty? I guess it's really up to us whether we continue to work really hard at being very positive. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little illustration. We're made out of what? No, the word was dust or dirt, wasn't it? Are we made out of dust, dirt, or clay? It's because I'm showing you clay that you started thinking that way, wasn't it? I was going to tell you a joke, and now I'm not sure I'm going to tell you if you say the wrong thing. No, there was a little boy who was looking under the bed, and he saw some dirt bunnies, dust bunnies, dust bunnies. And he says to his dad, is it true that when we leave, I mean, that when we were born or whatever, we were created from dust? And his dad said, yep, that's right. And he said, is it true that when we leave this earth, we're going to go back to dust? And his dad said, yep, that's right. He said, well, I just looked under my bed and somebody's either coming or going. (laughs) So your dust is going to be hot pink today, okay? I had to go all through Edmore looking for this dust. Think you can find pink? It's a little bit difficult. You know what? All of us are a piece of dust. We don't really have much form. We might have some sharp edges. Oh, that looks like a nose, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe we have a little funny head. And, and God is always trying to work on us. Now, God is not a gingerbread boy, but there is not such a thing as a God cookie cutter, okay? So God is working on us, and as we are praying and asking for him to help us with our feelings and the way we act and we're apologizing, we're being forgiving of other people, he keeps taking all these pieces off of us, right? And he says, you know, you're really impatient. He takes that off. That, That would be me. No, that should be a bigger piece. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that that's Lori, all right. And then there's, I don't know, um, she gets mad at Royce when he bonk, honks the horn, so i got to take that off. And The truth is that in the end, I mean, he may even burn a few things. or You know, if you don't get low, you can't get high, right? If you can't have bad things, you don't appreciate good things, right? But when he's done we actually do look like the image of God, don't we? We're not perfect until we get to heaven. We're still in our human form. But we look more like him all the time because we're really spending time with him and asking him what he wants us to do. And we're dedicating our day and we're saying, yep, today is yours, God, and I want to do whatever you want to do. And he sees in us that we can look more like him. It's so shocking that he would see that in me, you know? But he really wants to make us into his image. And that's the most important thing is that we submit ourselves to God and our emotions because apart from him, we are nothing. We're absolutely nothing. We're really invaluable. But with him, we're very valuable. 
So now I'm going to stop, and I'm going to ask you a question. And the question is, when you think about some of the things that we discussed today, what is something that was an insight to you that you know that the Lord wants you to work on in the way you've been thinking about things? If you're willing to share that, I would appreciate that. One at a time? Not all at once? Yes. That's why I chose her class, is because of my emotions. I know that my emotions are stopping me from loving like Jesus. Amen. Her emotions are stopping her from loving like Jesus. And what do you get? What? Anger. Okay. Because of all the stress. Okay. So you feel anger. And is there any skill that you can think about of how you can start to turn that around? Well, uh, separate myself from the drama. <laughs> yes. Actually, coming apart and taking a break, yeah. not reacting fast. Right. Yeah, because that's what I do. Okay. I react instantly. Show me, you know, I do a lot of married um, counseling, marriage counseling, and show me a reactive couple that are like ready to fight and ready to say something immediately. They don't sit there and think. They don't say, well, when you say that, that really hurts me. Instead, they go, you hurt me. <laughs> like, yeah. As soon as they're reactive like that, they have a much less chance of getting better because it's about them. They want to make sure everybody knows how they feel about it. And so, yes, it will ruin your whole day. And then you have to go, Oh, Lord, I'm like, there's that saying about sin will take you farther than you want to go, make you stay longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you wanted to pay. Yeah. Okay, anybody else? Something you learned today that you want to start practicing on? I'd say the thoughts. The thoughts, even sin. Thought, sin starts with the thought. So I stop, count to ten, do 747, something else before I act on that thought. Okay. So when you know that you're thinking about something, you're going to try and take, what does it say? Take the thoughts what? Captive. Get your lariat out. That's a word picture. Yep. God, help me catch that thought and change what I'm thinking because when I change it, instead of saying, I can't do this anymore, you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord gives you hope, and you're going to move forward. Okay? We have been married 41 years. And 41 years? Since when? Since when? March 19th. Oh, okay. You got me beat. I was 41 years on June 12th. But okay. But as we go along in life, God has blessed us tremendously. And, of course, everybody has their little sit downs occasionally. But there's one thing that we have learned to think about. Okay, now I'm going to say it to the people that might not hear you. You said you've been married for 41 years and you've had your ups and downs, but there's been a thought that's been really important to you. And it was that we feel God put us together from day one. We know God put us together. And so when we've had our little unhappiness from here to there, with, you know, with different various, and some of it's very mm -hmm. small stuff. And, but we think about God put us together and who are we just for? Oh, because they felt that the Lord put them together when they have an issue that comes up between them. Who are they to think they can spoil it when God was the one who established their relationship? And so rather than questioning him and acting on that, they make it, they, they come together and try to figure out what to do with it. That's very good. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, Joy? Something your mother says to you. Somebody has a person. 
that you say, she says what my mother said, which is, somebody has it worse than you. Don't we love to be victims? Oh, woe is me. But there is always somebody out there that has it worse than me, right? And they persevere. Yes, that's right, and they persevere. And those who persevere, you know, that's why I'm so amazed at my uh, son. He persevered without that arm, and I mean, you know, his parents died, and his and he was bit, and he was, and he was hurt, and he persevered, and he's getting his PhD. I'm just like, to me, when you persevere, he said, well, that's because God was with me, and I knew when those bad things were happening to me that it made God very sad. And I'm like, you didn't swear at God and get mad at him? Oh, no, I knew the Lord was suffering right along with me. And I'm like, that is amazing that you would think that way. What was that? Yes, a lot of people are bitter. And bitterness is about it's not fair. As soon as you have that thought, it's not fair. Watch out. What else? Anybody else? Another thing that impacted them today? Go ahead. Okay, the 747. If you have children, children are getting a, a panic disorders. Have you seen them? They can breathe into a lunch bag sometimes, or you know those little windmills, you can have them blow on those, and that will help them get their oxygen. That's something I used to do when I was working with children. But, um, yeah, we have a lot of anxiety in this day and age. And actually, the way that a parent or a teacher acts will add and contribute to that. You need to be very hopeful. Instead of going, I don't know what we're going to do, you go, you know, the Lord's been with us before, and I know he's going to take care of us. Uh, Kibsa, you have your arm up. You've gone through a very difficult time with an explosion in your house, having to live in a motel, etc. Um, she's actually the pastor's wife from Marquette. And so I can't imagine what you said to your kids, but go ahead. You know, we, again, self-oriented. I don't know why you don't like me. I don't know why that person's being mean to me. We don't know what I remind them of. I don't know what's happened to them. I don't know how hurt they are. I don't know if they're calling for help. But something, why am I taking it personal? They probably were that way before I met them. But I think it's all about me, really. And I'm supposed to be meeting your needs because I'm serving God. So we need to quit doing that. Okay, one more. Boy, I'm having a great time with this Play-Doh. Yeah. Yeah. I know that I have two minutes. I'm really needing, I'm really needing to go faster. Proverbs. And read one proverb a day for 31 days. And so the word of God is truth. You remember, right Yeah. She's talking about Proverbs are really a word of truth, and they can encourage you. You know, one of the things is that when Carlo, uh, my son, uh, he had voodoo curses put on him. I have to go get his book, but anyway. Uh, when he'd have voodoo curses put on him, his, his mother made them uh, memorize Scripture, and they recalled all these psalms, and every time that they'd have these terrible things, those psalms were an encouragement to him. He didn't know why he had to memorize them, but he said, I still, remember, I, I still recall them all throughout my life when there's a problem. And I'm just like, Scripture is such a huge relief. God's promises aren't just true one day. They're true all the time, in every place, and every day of your life, and they should be of encouragement. So thank you all for being here. The next one, do you know what the next one's on? Wednesday. Yeah. It's on Wednesday. It's in this room. And it's still on thinking, and I just can't remember the title of it. That's why I asked you, because I really couldn't remember. But anyhow, we're going to have more discussion on feelings and thinking problems. Please, if you would stand, and we'll have prayer to dismiss.
I will tell you, it's when life is unfair. It's on Wednesday, right? Yep, it's on Wednesday. When life is unfair and and the last one is on uptight instead of all right. And we're going to be doing some exercises so that you actually are participating and changing the way you think next time. So I'll promise you that that's what we'll do. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord, for each person here, for each vessel that can carry information that you want to teach us. Lord, we thank you that that you love us, that you care about us, that you want us to have a good coping ability so that we can be a better representative of you to the people that we're around. We pray, Lord, for the people who have thinking issues, that you will continue to impact them and that you will help them to have uh, replace fears and concerns with truth, that we will cope better because of that. And Lord, we thank you that you're coming soon and that we can be grown in your image as faulty as we are in your holy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.